it doesn't start with the medium. Oh, we got to have a podcast. It starts with what is the goal and will the podcast help me reach that goal? In May this year, I went to the 2023 Meeting of Independent Radio Producers, a two-location conference that started off in Leuven, Belgium, and moved up the road for the final day to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I have to say, it was one of the best conferences that I've ever been to. Friendly, inspiring, a little overawing at times, if I'm honest, and just terrific fun. It was packed with people who were audiophiles and audio experts through and through. And while I was there, I realised that I just had to interview some of them for this season. Now, pretty much everyone I met would have made a great guest. But I couldn't interview all of them, obviously, so I've had to restrict myself to two. And these two interviews conclude the current season. First, let's hear from Will Coley, based in New York, Harlem to be exact, Will describes himself on LinkedIn as the producer of narrative journalism stories for radio and a communication problem solver. To start us off, I asked Will to give us an overview of his journey into audio. Thanks for having me. This is, you know, it's great to be able to have this discussion. Um, I um, am someone who worked for many years in nonprofit organizations doing work with immigrants and asylum seekers. And one big concern was was about um, communications and media coverage to connect with the public about the issues that we work on. And so I increasingly got interested, in, this was around the time with social media, and got interested in video and happened upon a course, uh, the Transom Story Workshop, which is, uh, happened in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, and it was this intensive radio course. And I studied, I went there to kind of learn skills of the trade to steal for my work with in advocacy and activism, but fell in love with the medium or uh, reconnected with it. Cause I realized later that it's something that I've had, I've been involved in or have used since I was very young. And so as a result have been producing and working for different shows, producing stories and narrative type uh, work and also uh, chat shows and things for different organizations. So I'm sort of straddling the world between nonprofits and journalism and still trying to figure out exactly what that means. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said, we're talking about the power of audio. I mean, as, as someone who's who's spent a lot of time in it and is obviously passionate about it, I mean, what is it that you, you love specifically about audio, audio only? Something we always say in this field is that audio is a very visual medium by that being that it's something that it requires the listener to become involved and to use their imagination and in their mind's eye think about who's speaking and, and the scene that they're setting. And I think that's one thing that I really like about it is, is that it draws the listener in unlike other mediums like video that you just sit and receive it. I think also it's interesting with the boom in podcasting and just how easy it is to access audio on your phone, which is something that you know is, is an appendage that we carry around all the time, has made it really easy uh, to consume audio when you're doing other things. Um, I think like the challenge with video is, is that you basically have to stop everything you're doing and watch it. Whereas like with audio, you can be doing the dishes or uh, being at the gym or going for a run. And it's something that you can carry with you, which I think is uh, something I find very exciting. But I think ultimately, I think what I like about audio is, is that it can transport you to different places that you wouldn't 
that would not be uh, that makes you think about it and and participate in the in going there. I think that's the thing I really like about it. Yeah, I'm so glad you led off with that because for me that that's the most powerful element of it. I mean, I've spoken to several people already, and uh, one of the things that they've emphasised is the convenience part, mm. which is true. It's really it is really really good. Um, uh, you know, one at one time one of my taglines was. Um, uh, reaching people anywhere, anytime, so that you know people could listen, and that's what makes it uh, as a medium in a leadership setting within organisations uh, very good for those who have to speak to dispersed audiences, particularly if they're dispersed across time zones. Um, so that that is really valuable. But actually, as a quality that recommends pure audio to leaders, which is who I'm, I'm particularly interested in talking to in this season, that's sort of like a, a nice add-on. Because it's basically yeah. saying your audience will be able to access you anywhere, access what you want to say anywhere, anytime. But the first thing that you led off with was the engagement. That it, 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 it's not. It's more active than than video. Video is more passive in that respect. You say you sit there and, and you absorb it. You do have to do some work uh, with pure audio, and I think in a in a in a leadership setting or in many settings where you're trying to really get people to listen to ideas in particular and to, mm. to understand what uh, you know the thinking of, of, of the, the speaker that engagement really helps because it does force you to think about it it, it just it, you know, what did he say there what do they mean yeah you know i should also mention too about the production uh aspects of it too because i think you know i've i've shot video and i've recorded audio and i think audio interviews go deeper quicker in a way because the 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 interview subject doesn't have to worry about what they look like or you know if their hair is right or if they're wearing the right thing and when you use a microphone a lot of times people forget about the microphone they forget it's there like the camera they're always aware of and you have all the lighting and all that stuff but with just a mic it's it's something that you just forget about and you go d deep into the conversation and i find that when i've used it to interview people that there's really a different quality of the type of interview and the type of information you get from folks. And as a producer, it's it's so much easier than video. I know a lot of a lot of audio producers got into the medium because it was cheaper and easier to produce because you didn't have to have all the cameras and lighting and for video. And so, you know, it it makes the the experience and the recording of of the content as much is is very different. Yeah, and and yeah, absolutely, and it it reduces the skill burden on the interviewee. Oh. Um, you know, some people just just aren't good in front of a camera, I mean, and and it does take certain qualities, maybe their skills, maybe they're just innate qualities to come across well on video. And uh, but I've my, certainly uh, my experience, and, and it sounds like it's the same for you, is that with audio, that's less the case. So more people can can come across. Well, I mean, I, it's one of the things I sometimes say is that, you know, I think I can make anyone sound great. Actually, it's not really me. It's them making themselves sound great. Once they stop, they become, you know, they lose their self-consciousness, which, as you say, seems to happen quicker with uh, with with a microphone uh, alone rather than having the, the camera there. Yeah. And editing is easy, too. I mean, I think the thing is, is that people don't realize the amount of editing that goes into audio. I mean, uh you know, there's there's this very famous radio segment here or podcast StoryCorps, and I've been seeing them do presentations where they talk about within a three minute audio piece they've made 300 edits. I mean, not saying that everyone has to do that, but you're not even aware of it because yeah. we're not you're not conscious of how um, how audio can be edited in a way 
to make it more effective and, and have more impact on people. Uh, whereas with video, it's harder to do that. You know, I mean, I know a lot of video, they have, you know, jump cuts and you can, the edits become very obvious, but I don't know. I, and I also think because of lockdown, we're all tired of being on Zoom calls. You know, we're all tired of seeing, having to be in those sort of settings. So to have people just talking on video is not really, doesn't really add, talking heads doesn't add anything. No, say, so. no. I, I mean, you're absolutely right about the video stuff. You, you really do have to work hard. To, to get video footage that you can cut so that it doesn't look edited and you have to have multi-point perspectives and, and which means more than one camera and or you have to do I mean sometimes you see fancy fancy tricks I mean I remember one, one guy when I was back in the corporate days uh, he, he came in and he was just a one-man band and so he just had one camera and his shtick was he would be moving the camera all the time so yeah. the person would 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 sit still and talk to the camera, but follow him. And so you had this sort of moving image. So that if you did get a jump cut, you didn't notice as much, which, which works for a bit. But after a while, it, it did become a bit a bit of a pain. But just rewinding a bit further and thinking about the editing, uh, when you're actually doing the recording, uh, you know, so say now, for example, we decided, oh, actually, we want to stop. Uh, sorry, that's the, can we just do that bit again? The transition to pick up again, to break and then pick up again is fairly straightforward and simple. But with the camera, it's it's more of a disconnection. It, the break seems that much more obvious and the loss of momentum can be, be can be more significant, which again can affect someone's performance and, and, and in the way that they're, they're speaking. So, and you know, those, again, I think that's a quality that would speak to leader. Look, you don't need to worry about it. Just turn up and talk about the stuff that you're interested in. We'll worry about the rest. You don't know, you don't have to worry yeah. about that. Well, but that said, I think one thing, and I've done a lot of production with two-way interviews with people, and I think that it is important. I mean, it is there is a quality of just showing up, but I think for the interviewer, there is some uh, requirement to do some preparation to think about how mm -hmm. uh, to ask questions and lead people down a narrative route. I mean, one thing that I've learned in this medium and thing that attracts me is about thinking about narrative structure and how to pull people in um, through stories and how to lead them in a certain way. And I think that that's... Um, something that that gives some forethought before you know you get into conversations with people that you can you know lead them so i think that's one i think that's one one unfortunate thing that people think about the medium is is that it's two guys in a room just kind of gabbing you know that yep. they're not really but there is a lot of work that's done to, uh, a lot of really good shows do a lot of preparation and thinking about and a lot of editing to make it have be effective and not just people blathering on because i unfortunately i think I see a lot of jokes now that are kind of shorthand to sort of like a podcast is sort of this sort of people who think they have opinions that need to be heard and all they do is just sit around and talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. that's what a podcast is. But to me, a podcast is much more than that. And it, it is a lot of pr production and a lot of work to craft and hone it to make it something that that has an impact and really draws people in. Yeah, well, I definitely I completely agree with you you on that. And certainly when I work with clients, you know, I, I press very hard. I try and insist on on a prep session. Mm. Um, occasionally, I'll get somebody who thinks they're just so busy and so good that they say no, um, and, they, and they go straight in. And you can always tell. Uh, you know, one of the things that's – you mentioned stories there, and that's one of the things that, you know, audio is great for is delivering stories. Uh, and a lot of the people I speak to is that they – they will talk, they, you know, sometimes they'll talk in the abstract. They'll talk, talk in terms of theory, uh, sort of generalized models. 
but to bring them alive, you know, I'm always asking, can you can you give an example? Do you have a story? And actually, one of the, things, the reasons you absolutely have to do prep, I find with with the people I'm talking to, is to give them time to think of stories, because they've got so used to speaking in the abstract that they've they've forgotten where they got their ideas from, where the model came from. Mm. Um, so, and it's not that the stories aren't there because they usually are, but they do have to go away and and think about them. Um, in the early days, I didn't used to do that, and then I would. This is when I was was first starting out and didn't really know that much about it. And so many times I'd have people call me up and say, actually, I just thought of a really great story. You know, I couldn't think of a story. And then I thought of one later. And that's where I realized yeah, you have to absolutely do the prep. Well, yeah. You know, and I, I have a colleague who called, you know, talk, she's written this great piece on transom, which I can share with you about pre-interviewing. She calls pre, she would just call this a pre-interview as a, a first date, you know, <laughs> and that you're, that you're just getting enough information to get by, but she doesn't get too deep into it because she wants a lot of the spontaneity that when you're yep. in the meeting and things like that. Yep. But, um, I also do this thing, another friend of mine who I always give credit to Katie Clarkson, she had this genius thing. There's this thing in audio that we call room tone that when you, whenever you do an audio thing, you have to get the sound of the room with no one talking in case you need to edit it in, you know, or add space or something like that. Yeah. Ambience, and, every, yeah. and everybody always forgets to do it. So I, she had the genius idea to combine that with the question, do you have anything to add? And she waits for a minute. And so we sit there inside, you sit there. So basically you do the whole interview. You get to a point where you say to the, some, someone, okay, now I need to record the room tone. No one talking while I do that. Think about if there's anything you'd like to add. And so you sit there in silence for a minute. And oftentimes that question uh, gets the best response because like yeah. you said, someone's had time to think about it and rewards people who aren't, you know, thinking about that kind of, you know, Absolutely. they haven't thought about it. So it's kind of, I just think that's a genius thing. I always call it the Katie Clarkson method, but it's, uh, it's something I've incorporated because it means I don't forget to record room tone because it's always the best question. That's a great that, tip. That's and that, a great tip. And then it gives the, the interview subject time to think about something they'd like to add. The only time it didn't work one, was one time when I interviewed a Zen Buddhist priest and he was like, no, I have nothing to add. You know, it's <laughs> like, I didn't think of anything while you were sitting there in silence. So yeah, that was kind of fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Because then body yeah. smoke. Yeah. I've never had one of those. I'll still have to try. I, I tell you another thing actually, which is, I don't know if it's a tip I heard or something I just fell into as well. I don't switch off the recorder when we've finished. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then I'll say, okay, thanks. And uh, yeah. So how was that then? And what do you think? And you just keep it running. And, uh, and then they'll chat about what they said. And then it doesn't always happen, but sometimes they'll say, actually, uh, oh, you know, I was talking about a thing. I just thought of a really good bit for that now, you know, and yeah. I say, okay, so tell me. And then I've done yeah. that, that, that quite a few times, then taken that bit and because of the beauty of the editing, been able to drop it back uh, earlier. And it's quite often it's a better story than they, they, they could come up with at the time. Well, you know, the kitchen sisters who are like, you know, the, the, the mothers of, radio in the United States or narrative radio in the United States. I heard them interviewed one time and they do this trick where halfway through the interview, they say, okay, I just have one more question. And I mean, it's a lie, but the person lets releases because they're like, oh, okay, I'm nearly done. I can like calm down. And then, then they get to another level and they just keep going. You know, they just, they are able to get the person to relax in a way that they hadn't before, which I think is genius. But mm, um, mm. anyway, 
So I, I always like examples, and you've given me some some great stories and examples already. But thinking about the stuff that you have done, the nonprofit, etc., can you think of any any situations where that basically illustrate just how powerful audio was and and, and the impact it had? Well, I, I did two projects, independent podcasts for nonprofits uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and they both, well, one of them was related to a, a study that they did about narrative. And it was about case studies where people have changed the the societal narrative, the big story about issues like criminal justice, um, poverty, and uh, gun control, for example. Like, how, how do we change the way people talk about these issues to make really, make real policy change? And so they wrote this report, they had researchers, and they did all this research. And so my idea was to actually kind of turn that report into a narrative series. And so we did each of these case studies. We were able to draw on the report, but in the, the case studies in the podcast, we actually found individuals who were activists who had been instrumental in changing that. For you know, for example, there was um, Bill Pelkey, uh, who since passed away, but he became an activist after his grandmother was murdered uh, in, in Indiana. And he became this lifelong activist against the death penalty. And it was the story about how how he came to that point and how he understood the systemic issues with, with capital punishment and why we should change the way we think about it and stuff like that. And he and it was in I think it was a way to bring new people into the information because they were interested in the story of Bill and they could learn uh, about how he became an activist and what drew him to this. And then it it was a way uh, to show the principles that work about how how narratives are changed in our society. Um, I did a similar one about a similar episode was about a photographer who who took photographs of the poor people's campaign when they erected uh, Resurrection City in the mall, the downtown mall of Washington D.C. back in 1968. Wait, I'm back in the 60s. Mm. And then the other one was about a theater company that did some work around gun control, and they talked to people who. Uh, they they created a play about people who had experienced gun violence and and had them talk about the experience and and what they learned in the process. So it for me it was a way of bringing a I'm not going to say the report was dry, but you know like not everybody is open to reading a, a lengthy report, but it's a way of them processing the information and presenting it in a way that was more was also very compelling to a different type of audience that might be more interested in that. So that was one example. Yeah. And the other was about, I did a podcast about people resisting uh, deportation. So it was people who, because of the the problems with our immigration system in the United States, there are people who are facing deportation. And, and I profiled different people who had figured out ways uh, to stay in the United States and remain with their families and live the lives that they wanted to live. So, so it was people kind of, like the dreamers? Kind of, yeah, some of them, but it was also people who had problems with the criminal justice system. So it was like how they'd gotten enmeshed in, in that system and then how they were able to stay in the United States. So it was a way of bringing home uh, what we were talking about at a policy level through individual stories. And and for me, so, something I should also mention too is, is that I'm very interested in solutions angle. There's this whole movement led by this group of New York Times uh, reporters called the Solutions Journalism Network. And they, they think it's a way to engage people is just to talk about, rather than just talking about problems, you know, because a lot of people, that's why they tune out in the news is because, you know, there's so much doom and gloom in the world, but actually thinking about what are ways to solve problems. And, and so I'm very conscious of that when I produce things about societal problems is, is like, well, what are people, how are people standing up to it? How are people challenging it? How are they finding solutions to make things work for themselves and make for their 
work for their communities. So I think that's something I also think about too, is, is that solutions are also attractive to listeners because it gives them some hope and some reason to think about these issues in a, in a way to think that there is a way to solve these difficult problems. Mm. And those things you just referred to, thank you for sharing all those. Are they are they publicly available? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the narrative podcast is called Shifting the Narrative. It was about shifting narratives, and the other is called Indefensible, and it's um, with the Immigrant Defense Project. And th- those are both available in podcast feeds. Um, okay, yeah. I'll I'll put those uh, links in the in the show notes then, so people can can yeah. connect to those. Just going back to what you were saying then before. Um, so if, if we're thinking about these leaders that we're wanting to sort of, you know, persuade to think about audio for, for as a communication tool, and, and I'm not saying for a minute, this is one thing I say very, very often uh, to clients uh, I work with, is that I'm not saying that audio is, is, is the one-stop solution. That's all you need. Yeah. I, I have had conversations where people have come to me and said, oh, we've got this situation. We want to do a podcast. And I've said, don't do a podcast. The classic one is where people have announcements they want to make mm. and and my advice is don't don't do it by a podcast do it the usual route if you're just if you're just giving out facts do do you know say it quietly but do a powerpoint just put the facts in and then follow it up with a podcast if you want to then explain it that kind of thing so i'm not saying it's the it's absolutely the solution in all situations but what would you say to uh, leaders in, in any or large organization who are wanting to get their thoughts, ideas, messages across? Are the kind of th- situations where maybe audio is the solution? What specifically, how could they identify, okay, in this situation, audio, that's, I should really look at that as the primary route? Um, well, I, I think about this thing, uh, a lot of communications is, is to have a game plan. Um, the Lightbox Collaborative, which is a group that I've worked with, and the Spin Academy, um, they're a, a group of communications professionals. They talk about game plans. So there's your goal, your audience, your message, and your engagement. So to whenever you do any communications, to think about that. So like what to really get explicit about what is the goal, why are you doing this? And the audience is key. And I think the trouble we have with audiences is that there is no such thing as the general public that you, when you make something, it, you have a specific audience in, in, in mind. So a podcast is, is useful if you're trying to reach a very specific audience. You know, I think the challenge a lot of people have is when you create a podcast and try to make it compete with like the, I don't know, the, the Joe Rogans and the others in the world who, who have millions of listeners uh, is is that you know it's very difficult to build an audience, but if you already have an audience in mind and an audience that you already have connections with that you're already working with, you know, like for example, if you're doing a um, annual report for an organization, you have board members or you have people who usually consume that annual report. That's an existing audience that you could make an audio piece for. I'm always intrigued to be like, could we do an audio annual report versus doing just a written thing that nobody really reads anyway. Um, so those, those are important. The message is thinking about, um, I've done a lot of work, um, with organizations around the crafting messages that, that will help, uh, achieve the goals that you have in mind, you know, like how do we, um, communicate these issues in a way that are, that are understandable and actually move people to action and engagement is, is like, how are you going to engage the audience that you have through these messages? So that's, it's just a little thing that I often think about, um, you know, mm, yeah. when, go through those again, then what was the, the acronym game, uh, goal, audience, message, and engagement. 
or he could also be evaluation, I guess, too. But it's but it's just like having actually think being very thoughtful about why you want to do it. Not it doesn't start with the medium. Oh, we got to have a podcast. It starts with what is the goal and will the podcast help me reach that goal? Yeah, yeah, I like that. The three questions I get people to answer when they when they talk to me about doing podcasts is how do you want people to think, feel, and act differently once they'd they've listened to this? You know, it's amazing how many people haven't thought about that. Yeah. Oh, I don't really know. And, and they, 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 they sort of think it through. Now, one thing we haven't touched on, which I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm guessing, is, is also a quality that you value, is the fact that when you do audio, and I think this is true for audio even more than video, is you, you don't just get the, the ideas, the thinking, the messages, but you get some of the person as well. Mm. One, one of the things I say to leaders is, you know, people follow people more than ideas and so if you're a passionate inspirational leader and you know obviously you hope that you are particularly the inspirational bit you want to build trust people need to know you as well as what your ideas are i mean i don't do you agree that that, that audio can can be a big help with that well again i think it goes back to the unique nature of audio is is that there's some sort of connection because so often we listen to audio with headphones or we listen alone, that there's this connection made between the listener and the speaker in other in different types of medium. I always think about it, you know, <laughs> these voices are going directly into your skull. You know, it's like the, the, you can, can't get more intimate than that. And I think I, I see it a lot, a lot with, um, you know, podcasts that have hosts that their audiences feel connected to them in a way that they can't really quite, you know, it's where they call it a parasocial relationship that people think they have a relationship with the person, but they may not in real life doesn't exist because these mediums are so strong and people project on them and, and make that connection. And I'm not saying that like in the sense of, you know, trying to become an influencer or to reach other people, but I'm saying that there is something about it that creates a unique connection that I think, you know, leaders in trying to communicate with the audience they have in mind, it, it, it is very effective at doing that. Yeah. Well, and that, that's my point really is that, is that, that, you know, I would say to, 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 to lead it, look, you know, you are, you are part, you are as much part of the message as the message itself. Mm -hmm. And people need to, to hear that. You know, the one thing that, that I think, you know, we, we fight against, I certainly fight against a bit uh, with this is when people say, oh, well, you know, maybe we should do video. And then always the question of, ah, but isn't it 90% body language or that some massive percentage that they've come up with somewhere? And it's all about the body language and that's what, what counts and that's what makes the, the biggest difference. And I'm not for a minute saying body language isn't, isn't a thing and doesn't communicate stuff. But actually, I don't really think it's that helpful in this situation when you're saying, well, what, what method should you use to best get your point over? Further that, like I, I have a friend and colleague, Bianca Giver, who she's a video producer, but she doesn't, she refuses to do talking head video. So she, because of the difference in the quality of the, the interviews, she only records the interview portion with a, with a microphone, with no video of them, their face. And then she illustrates what they do with video. She has very creative ways of doing that, you know, with animation or with other stuff. But in, for an organization, it could be people... You know, it could be the person doing stuff actually in the field, you know, like people doing stuff, illustrating what that is that they're talking about. Like, and that's much more effective than just watching somebody, you know, talk on, on a little screen. 
But again, I think I just think Zoom, you know, because of lockdown, we're just all so tired of Zoom. I, I, it's really hard to get anybody to, you know, like if you have it to be on Zooms for work, why would you want to watch Zoom of somebody talking? You know, it just doesn't. I don't know. I think there's just something about it that makes people tune out. I mean, there is there is a movement now for video podcasts, and there are there is a generation of people that think a podcast means video. But I think, you know, like I hate to, I can't believe I'm mentioning Joe Rogan again in this podcast, but he does video podcasts, and if you look at them, they're in the studio, and so you're watching the interaction between him and the person in the same space. Yep. You know, there's. I don't know that I, I've seen a lot of video podcasts that are effective where it's using Zoom, where the interaction is happening via the thing. Because I think I, I Zoom is not perfect. Like there, there's a, I don't know, it's a nanosecond that it's off and it's not picking up all the cues. And I think, you know, that's why people th- say phone calls. They like phone calls better because there's that filling in aspect that I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm not misreading cues from the video. I'm actually participating in a way with a phone call than I am on video, you know, and I think, and also, you know, video, a lot of times, well, I was going to say, you know, like if you're participating in zoom, you're often just watching yourself you know, to see the way that you are. But I think it's not a perfect representation of interaction between people that I think um, audio can get better, can do a better job at, of, of doing that. I was going to ask you about the the, the rise and rise of the of, of video podcast because so many people are doing it as well. I think Diary of a CEO, CEO Stephen Bartle, I think he does now uh, video podcast, which is is exactly that. It's the video of two people. Is it? It's a bizarre thing actually because it's two people sitting in a studio, usually with headphones on, talking to each other. So you're filming them making an audio product, which is a bit odd. And I'm I'm not convinced. I no one has shown me the evidence that people are actually watching it. Like I fully believe like this guy's podcast that people are doing other things and on, are on other web web pages while they're listening to it. Yep. You know, like I just don't believe that no, someone is d- the audience is stopping everything they're doing and just watching them talking, you know, Mm -hmm. like I still, I think YouTube, YouTube is an interesting platform to be posting podcasts because of its algorithm and how it suggests new things to people. So I think that there is a movement to put just, you know, audio only video. So like you'd have like a Mm -hmm. stationary image or Mm -hmm. maybe like a waveform showing the, the, the thing, but I just don't, I don't believe in somebody. I want to see the evidence that people are actually watching video podcasts. Like I still think they're really just listening to them. Uh, I so. agree. I, I'm not completely against them though, because I, I do have some evidence actually that, that, that it's, it's, it's sort of anecdotal really, but it came to me directly. Um, there are situations where I think actually having something to look at is valuable. Mm-hmm. And that is if you are asking people to uh, consume this material at their desk in an office situation, particularly an open plan. Because they do have to sort of sit. I mean, they can they can put it on. If increasingly we're saying, look, put it on the phone, make it accessible in that way. That's what J.P. Goodrum's storyboard's very much about. Um, but when we first started podcasting years and years ago, I was working for AstraZeneca, and we ended up doing some podcasting as part of a huge change program to get the ideas over. And it was very well, well received when it was rolled out. But we did get feedback from a lot of people say, I need something to look at. And what they meant, it was because they were sitting at their desk. Um, and there had to be something on the screen. And they said the temptation to, to sort of 
look around and lose lose concentration was was a thing not for everybody but for some that was the point some people needed it so what we ended up doing was um pretty much what you said i didn't video i didn't go back to full video and video all the people i interviewed um not least because i couldn't actually be with them physically that was the point so we did have this thing where we had static images of the of me and the the interviewee and then i we created this gently revolving graphic of the the company logo which would be sitting there all all the time and that helped a bit um and these days back then it was more difficult to do but these days i would almost certainly have put the audiogram thing playing across the bottom mm. so i sort of get that a bit but the, then this but the full video thing no, I love what you said about the, uh, the your friend there doing the video where she doesn't actually show the speakers. She shows something else that illustrates it. So you, again, it's that back to what we were saying before. Okay, you could see the pictures, but the pictures aren't giving you the full thing. You still got to listen and you've got to join the two together. And I just think that that lands the message more effectively. I think that's the point. Yeah. Um, and I think if leaders want to do that's what they want they want to do. Okay, uh, conscious of the time, Will. Um, so just two things left, really. First one, asking this question of everybody. And you obviously have very extensive experience of audio, and you've, you've mentioned several uh, uh, pieces already that probably would fit into this. But let me ask you the question uh, again. Um, can you think of a particular episode of, of, let's say, a podcast that was memorably impactful? So it's not I'm not asking you for your favorite, or it might be a favorite, but it's one where it surprised you and it had a real impact with and, and that, that stayed with you um, that you could you could tell us about. Yeah, there's a, there's a a radio piece from here in uh, New York that I that I've often used to illustrate why I love audio, and it's by this great producer Marianne McCune. She was a reporter at WMYC, the local NPR station here, a member station here, and uh, it was a story about. Um, people living in public housing uh, in lower Manhattan right after Hurricane Sandy. So it was like when there was no power and electricity. And she goes to visit this one woman, an elderly woman who uh, I think was a friend of a friend and who was kind of stranded. So she goes to visit her. And the thing I love about the pieces is, is that, and I play it uh, when I do presentations about audio and why I love audio, because it's so visual, you know, like you get the sense of going to this woman's apartment, uh, being in the stairwell when the lights go out, um, you know, how, how this woman is dealing with not having running water. And you just, you find it's so um, rich and evocative that I just always, it's something that I always love to share and I can share it with you too. But I, I just think it's a way to me, it was a great example of radio reporting and, and the power of what it can do for people. Because I, I mean, I do a lot of work in studio, but I think I have to say my real love is for field reporting and getting audio from the world and, and capturing what's happening outside. And I think Marianne did a great job in this this one piece, and that's one that I always think of. I was also going to mention Catherine Carr, who's a, a British uh, producer. She has a is now a podcast called Where Are You Going. And she does this thing where she goes out on the street and she asks people, where are you going? You know, like where are they headed? And she and I, she, we've connected on this. Like the two of us, we love Vox Pops. We love 
Vox Pop is like the term for man on the street. I love doing them, particularly here in Harlem, where people talk to each other all the time, because you never know what someone's going to say, you know? And like, it's a, you know, a lot of radio shows do it as a way to get a pulse of what people are thinking on the street. I just find them very exciting and exhilarating. And Catherine does a great job of, she's gone all around the world to different cities and asked people who are commuting, where are you going? And she gets these amazing responses. So, um, but yeah, Marianne McCune and this uh, Catherine Carr, two producers I really admire. Two brilliant examples. Thank you. Exactly what I was looking for. I shall put those in the show notes. Actually, I did my first and so far only Vox Pop episode for the last season, uh, which was on psychological safety at work. I went to a, a town it's in, sort of just south of London one afternoon, just screwed up my courage and took my portable recorder with me. And actually, I was actually really quite nervous. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I did just stop people in, and it was lunchtime, so people were moving about in the town, coming out of work, to ask them what psychological safety meant to them and all that kind of stuff. I got some super stuff. And exactly as you say, really excellent stories, really good stories that, that were that was the relevant surprised me with things that, that, that came from it. Um, uh, it still terrified me. You, know, you go up to people and they, they look at you as though they think you're an axe murderer or something, <laughs> run away from you. And then other people go, oh, yeah, I'll talk to you. So it was, uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, I think that's partially why I like it too. It's very, it is very nerve wracking if somebody, not somebody's going to talk to you, but, um, the unexpectedness of it is what I like a lot too. And I understand that I think New Yorkers are very, uh, talkative to strangers. So it's a great place to do that, you know? And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Last thing, um, I'm pitching this from, from another podcast I heard, uh, recently. Do you have any questions for me? Well, I, guess, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I guess this podcast is sort of answering my question, but I guess for me is, is like, what do you think, what have you seen as being the biggest impediment or challenge for people to understand why, why they should explore audio as a medium in their work? Uh, the, I can answer that. There's a very, very clear answer for it. And that's because they don't, they've never heard of it and they don't know mm -hmm. it and they're not used to it. And so they're unsure. They don't know of the impact of it. They are it's funny how people think about these things. They know video. Everyone does video. When you ask them, have you done video before and how effective, what do you know it was effective? They don't, they're not sure. They, they're sort of a bit stumped. It's like, it's it's just because it's established. Oh, you do a video, don't you? That's great. And the assumption is that you do a video and it's great. And the audio thing, it's, it's they just never thought about it because they don't know anything about it. And it's new. It's a bit daunting. You have to, you have to, show you that's what I, that's what i need that's what would need the, the industry if there, were, if there was going to be an industry of leadership podcasting for internal communications in particular there doesn't need to be many more examples out there and there aren't and <laughs> another impediment is bizarrely is the, it's a reverse of the cost because it's so cheap to record anything now because of your phone People don't want to pay what it would take to get someone to help them produce a decent product. You know, I, I get people and they'll say to me, I want to do a podcast. And I say to any, anybody who wants to do a podcast for their business, I will talk to you for free and I'll give you all sorts of advice. And, and, you know, and if you want to engage us and engage me to help you, great. But if you decide you want to go off and do it yourself, great also. There's this thing that, that certainly budget holders think, well, you, it's okay, you want to do a podcast. He wants how much? Why? Why? You just stick a, a phone in front of somebody and record what they say and that's it. And, and 
And the fact that what I would charge is still way cheaper than video doesn't doesn't factor. So there's this thing about it's a weird thing in that it it it's cheap, but it still costs more than people think it should be. Because how hard could it be? And and my advice to a lot of people is well. Go and have a go yourself. You you could be great and, and good luck to you. And, and if you want any advice, I'll give you the advice. So that's a weird one uh, as well. And I should say that what tends to happen a lot of times is that people internally decide they do want to do a podcast of their own. So they take it on as extra work. And then they realize they realize how hard it can be. Yeah. Because yeah. it isn't a case to just turn up and stick your phone in front of someone and record what they say. As you yeah. said before, is the, there's the whole prep stuff and it's mm. not just the time for the prep prep is a skill prepping yeah. somebody is, it's a skill totally totally yeah and i also think the thing to think too uh, about i i have a colleague who's doing a whole series on uh podcasts archives you know like it's a way to document sort of the oral history of your organization, you know, where you are at that moment kind of thing. And I, I'm always a fan of recording everything, you know, like meetings mm. or whatever. Mm. Um, but I think uh, thinking of it is, is like, this is helping you document the oral history of where your organization is at the moment. So in the future, you can draw on it later and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, for archival purposes um, and see how far you've come. So I think that that's also an interesting thing to think about it too, is, is that, yeah. Yeah. um, what it it does, but again, it goes back to that game plan. You know, like what are you trying to achieve, and is is this the right medium to do it? I, it it's something to think about. You know, to give some advanced thought to. Yeah, I mean, one of our most one of my most successful um, uh, sort of threads that you know lines that I use products that I produce, and actually I talked about it in in, in an episode in this season uh, with a former client is what I've christened wisdom capture, and that's this idea where you talk to senior experienced people to try and download that the stuff that just comes with experience the kind of of insight know-how nous whatever you want to call it that only comes with experience and is difficult to codify in document form and doesn't translate to nice uh, powerpoint bullets but does come across in stories when people mm -hmm. talk about things that they've done so uh, we i've done a lot of that kind of stuff which is sort of a bit like what you're saying, only only more a little bit more specific. Where um, sometimes people will say, "Well, you know, th th sometimes in this job you can get in this into these particular type of tricky situations, and then you really have to know what you're doing." So then we record people who've been there and and and, and experienced it, and talk about what they did, what worked, what didn't work, um, and that 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 can be really effective. And what happens with those is they tend to be fairly slow burns. You put them out and you don't get, you get a little bit of a surge when people listen. But then what happens is somebody finds himself coming up to one of these tricky situations and someone says, oh, you should go and listen to the podcast where there are people talking about their experiences. And that they work really well. Mm. You know, I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get feedback five years later from somebody who says, oh, I just wanted to drop you a note. I know that you produced this thing for us. I just listened to it. It was so helpful, really helped, helped me. Okay. Uh, we probably could go on talking for hours and hours, but um, maybe we need beer and things like that to <laughs> keep doing that. So, yeah. Um, Will, thank you so much for taking the time to oh. talk with me. It's been it's been a real pleasure. My pleasure too. Yeah, it's great connecting. I can't. I keep thinking about us walking around Amsterdam, having this initial discussion. So I'm glad that we finally were able to document it and, <laughs> yeah. and get it on tape. So yeah, this yeah, is absolutely. great. Absolutely brilliant. Thank yeah. you. 
really grateful to Will for taking the time to take part in this season and to share just a slice of the wealth of knowledge and experience he has in making impactful and influential audio. So, once again, we hear that while pure audio is not the only communication route available, obviously, depending upon the circumstances, it can be a really powerful tool. Might it be the solution you're looking for? I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. Want help getting heard, being understood and building trust? Let's talk. Goodbye.